Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Move, where we're vibrant through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the very first murder in the Bible. If you're wondering, where in the heck is that? How can I read along? It's in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. My guest for today's episode is none other than the bald eagle himself. You might not be able to know that if you're watching the podcast. Tyler Morrison, your lang- uh, your nickname is the bald eagle. I've never actually asked, is there a, a bigger story behind it than just you being bald? Or <laughs> I Do think- you like eagles? Are you super patriotic? Like, what's the story there? I do love eagles, but it actually, I'm not super patriotic by any means, but there was one <laughs> night at college where we had a, a World Cup soccer event where people would okay. represent different countries and they would have this miniature soccer tournament. And I did not play soccer, but they asked me to run out in front of the team holding the American flag. And I had an American flag oh. turtleneck. It was, I got it from uh-huh. a thrift store for a dollar. It was my pride and joy just because it was cool. <laughs> And um, as I was running out, my wife and I, we were just friends at the time, just met. And her friend sitting next to her was like, look at that bald eagle. And then ever (laughs) since, Morgan has just, that's been my name. She's called me the bald eagle. Well, apparently it worked because y'all are married and happily so. So very cool. And thank you for the origin story. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, today we're talking about Cain and Abel. And I have a confession. Every time I hear the story of Cain and Abel, I have to do a quick Google search because I'm like, which one's the bad one? Which is the vegetarian? Which one like his murder? Like, I, I can never remember the difference between Cain and Abel. Um, but if you haven't heard the story, the story is that Adam and Eve now have two kids, which is important in the story and the narrative of Genesis because there's this promise as we've talked talked about in previous episodes of uh, this deliverer, the one who's going to redeem, the one that's going to reconcile them, bring them back to Eden, so to speak. And so this is a very exciting time. They have two boys. One of them might be it. And of course, the story is cut short because one of them kills the other one and it's not good. So yeah. by the way, which one kills the other one? Which one's the bad one? It is Cain. Cain is the Cain murderer. is the bad one. Okay. So you don't want to be Cain. Do not. Yeah. The, the, what is it? He's the 
first murderer in the Bible. First death that we yeah. know of, yeah? Well, aside for that poor little lamb that had to take care of uh, Adam and Eve's clothing kind of a thing. But yes, the first human death that I think that we are told about in Scripture. Speaking of, that first little lamb, is there a Bible verse that talks about that? I was looking for uh, that. The- <laughs> There's a, well, we talked about it in our previous episode, but the the verse says that you know he got God got skins to clothe Adam and Eve, and then there's the callback in Revelation that says that Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. So there's kind of like you can read into it that it was likely a Lamb that clothed them, and the symbology of it all is obviously Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. there we have the first human merger in the Bible. Yep. Yep. Cain. So I think one of the, the, the natural questions that arises from this story is, why is God so particular? And I don't know if you ever thought about that growing up. Um, one of them, Cain, the bad one, is uh, he's working the ground, which you would think is a good thing because this is kind of what God tells Adam to do. is like till the ground, you know, take care of the earth and do all these things, harvest its crops, all these things. So he, he's doing that. While his brother's out there playing in the fields, watching sheep, you know, it's, I don't know, if one is more hard work than the other, I'm going to guess that being the gardener type is harder. And yet God says no to Cain's sacrifice of uh, food and produce and what he, he worked with his hands from the ground. While Abel comes and gives some lambs, he kills something even, and God's no, like, it's, yes, it's, dope, that's the one. So, okay. To our title, true to our title, you have it mixed up right now, which what you're saying makes sense. What hit Mm -hmm. me was that what actually happens doesn't make that much sense because Abel's the one that brings fruits. Oh. Cain's the one that, wait a second, am I getting it mixed up now? I I don't know. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Cain brought... No, no, no. Abel brings uh, the sheep. The, 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 the sheep. Oh, my yep. gosh. Now, he brings the food. I, I'm all <laughs> We're already mixed up. Hey, guys, this is real life. And when we study the Bible, sometimes we have questions also. We don't always get it right. So, yes, for the record, Cain is the vegetarian, for lack of a better word. And Abel is the shepherd. Abel brings the sheep. So, yes. yes when So, what stuck out to me about that is that Cain is the one working the ground, which literally is like when... In fact, the last time you and I talked about this... It was about how Mm -hmm. Adam was given this beautiful purpose to work the ground. Yes. Like this was the the incredible work. And so now Cain, the firstborn, is doing that work. But for some reason, that offering is rejected. rejected. Yeah. And I think rightfully so. He's like pissed off. and, And God's like, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? It's kind of like, why are you so upset? Like... It, you know, if you do the right thing, everything's going to be good. And like in my mind, like at a sur- first surface reading, it's like he's doing the right thing. He's doing what you asked. And yet he's not being accepted. Did, did, did you have any insight into that as to why that was the case? Um, I feel like like when you said rightfully so, the, the thing that indicates to me from the text that it's rightfully so is his response. Right. Mm, that they, okay, If it's a gift that. from the heart, if it's a yeah. gift from the heart, then... When it's rejected, it wouldn't be like this angry um, self, you know, like like mine's not good enough. And in the mm. rejection, actually, the the heart is revealed. Um, mm. But as far as like anything else, I, I didn't see anything except for there is a theme all throughout the Old Testament of what was intentioned, mm. like what God's best, like what he would rather happen 
often doesn't. Hmm. But then through the like almost plan B comes the actual plan A. Like redemption so, comes through the plan B. Oh, okay. Interesting. So that you're, you're saying that maybe Cain is kind of following the narrative and yet there's kind of this plan B that's happening with Abel that's kind of being subverted here. Is, is, am, I, am I reading that correctly? Yeah. So, so what hit me is, I mean, when, when we keep going through Genesis, we're going to see it over and over and over as God's like, Hey, I want to do it like this. And then somebody messes up and he's like, okay, well instead we're going to do it this way. And it's still like ends up preserving the line. Like we're, we're seeing how it's all leading to Jesus. And here it's like Cain, it seems like would be the plan A. Like this one who's tilling oh, the ground and he's the one that's offering yeah. from the ground. But then from the jump, it's actually the second born. The other thing. Abel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. That's interesting because, you know, uh, when God talks to, and this will be later in our series, but God talks about like, why did he choose Abraham? He's like, I didn't choose you because you were the wealthiest or the best, best looking or the most powerful, biggest family. And I said, no, I chose you because you were small and insignificant. And because of that, I'm going to do some amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, I think, I think they'll. Tyler, I think that there's more here, and it's actually the, the, the key, in my opinion, to unlocking this is actually in verse 3. It talks about, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, Ooh. and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Uh, other other uh, translations talk about choice meats. Like, so, so the picture that I'm reading into this verse is that when... When Abel comes to the table, so to speak, to bring his offering, he's not giving leftovers. He's not giving the second right thing. So when you think about like animals, they can only have so many, uh, so many children, so many offspring at a time. And so to give the firstborn is definitely an act of faith because you don't know how much more is going to come after mm. that. Whereas, you know, if you're harvesting a whole bunch of apples, let's say, you can harvest tons like several pounds or kilos worth of apples all at once so to come and give you know a handful of apples or a handful of carrots or whatever it is that 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 uh cain actually brought to god it's not i mean it is it is a step of faith in that you're giving an offering but it's not quite the same as abel giving his best giving his first giving the the, the very thing and, and and the thing about offerings right I think that at least for me growing up, I always felt like offerings were a way to, to, to make an angry God happy again. Like for whatever reason, God really likes lamb chops or God really likes whatever. They, like, and no, it's, it's not necessarily that. It's an expression of faith, mm -hmm. right? So, so in the same way that Adam and Eve's story playing out that the, the, the lamb uh, skins that they end up wearing are an expression of faith in the coming uh, Messiah who will redeem them and, and reunite them with, with God, there's an, there's an illusion here that this, that I'm going to give up my first fruits. I'm going to have place faith that you are the one who sustains me, that you're the one that's going to be able to take care of me, where it talks about how, you know, Cain just brought a portion. He just gave some. It, it didn't seem like it was uh, it was a self-sacrifice. It was a, uh, there, there was a consequence to this gift. And it, it reminds me of like the story of the widow and the mite. It's not that he, God wants a lot in the sense that he, he needs millions and millions of dollars. But what was impressive about the widow's might is that she gave from the heart. She gave to the level where it d demonstrates trust and sacrifice, trust in God. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm reading into yeah, this passage. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's fair or not. That hardcore, I mean, it really resonates with me. And I think of when Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven, like he's always revealing things about the kingdom of heaven. And it's freely you've been given. So freely give, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That perspective of offerings is so different. And I think exactly what you just highlighted in Abel's offering is that like, it's not this like, oh, he has this bloodlust. And so you've got to 
you got to satisfy that for him, which I know a lot of people might think of God in that way. And hopefully as they read mm -hmm. through this, they'll see that that's not it, but it's actually like right. what you just said. It's this thing about like, as Abel looks around, he sees he has received so much mm -hmm. and in faith, knowing that that giver is a good giver and won't stop. He can give the best of what he's received right on back. And I think this is actually really, it spells itself out towards the last couple of verses in our, in our, our passage for this episode, where, where God is not vindictive. He's not angry. That, that's not the point of this initial exchange with Cain and Abel. So much to the extent that Cain literally is the first murderer. He murders his brother, maybe the promised Messiah. We don't know it at this point in the narrative. It could have been the very, the chosen one, so to speak. Right. And yet, even in the middle of this, Cain is like so afraid people are going to try and seek me out. They're going to want to seek retribution because I killed my brother, yada, yada, yada. And yet what God does is so interesting because you would think, yes, if, if God is the, if uh, the way that we read the first part of this chapter is that God is vindictive, that he's petty, that he's just, you know, uh, uh, selective and maybe has favorites or that kind of thing, then that, the natural course of the response would be to kill Cain. Like, yes, there's now a bounty on Cain. Everybody, it's, it's, it's all green lights, go get him. And yet God does the exact opposite and says, no, no, no. I'm going to put a mark on you, a mark of protection that if anyone should attack you, like I'm standing in for you. And so even in this moment, we see the character of God more clearly dis at, uh, on display and towards the last part of this section, that God is a God of mercy. He's a God of goodness and a God of love. He wants to be able to step into the story and to provide. The only difference was is that if you read in Hebrews 11, Abel was one who did the sacrifice through faith. Mm. It says by faith. Cain, or sorry, Abel offered a more uh, perfect sacrifice. It's because he was putting his trust in God. And so even in a moment of failure, God is saying, listen, you didn't trust me then, but I'm going to come through for you even still. I'm going to put a mark on you, a mark of protection, so that you know that I'm still for you. Man, okay, that is really just so wild. I also was like kind of blown away by that. Like God's response is he still draws near, just like in the garden. There's this murder mm -hmm. that just took place and he draws near and then he asks, where's your brother? This whole thing. And then he, he's afraid uh, if, if you, you know, this curse comes to be, I'm going to die. And God, everything you just said, so dope. And then this thing about Abel's perfect sacrifice that I think mm -hmm. is so helpful for any reader of the Bible to realize is that Abel's sacrifice, Abel's sacrifice, Abel's <laughs> sacrifice had blood. And the reason that's significant, again, is not because of this blood lust, but because blood is symbolizing life. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at, oh, what just happened is death came in, right? The fall. And now mm -hmm. humanity exists in a state of death. Like Ephesians talks about how we've been redeemed from death into life, Ephesians 2. And so the reason sacrifices, like this lamb sacrificed, right? Slain from the foundations of the world. Why that's so significant in the whole sacrificial system is that the blood is life covering the death that we existed mm. in. And so mm -hmm. one has life, the other one doesn't. How can you cover death with some fruits? I'm sorry. It's just not the way that, that it, the Bible reveals this, right? But then when you fast forward, we see in Hebrews 12 uh, verse, I wanted to just read this verse, uh, Hebrews 12, 24, where it says, Jesus, who is a mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In mm. Genesis, we saw that the blood of Abel cried out vengeance from the ground. And so then if the blood of Jesus 
this life of God that has now been given to us freely is this more perfect sacrifice that Hebrews keeps talking about, then we have received it. And how does it speak a better word than the, the word of vengeance? I think of the verse that says mercy triumphs over judgment. Hmm. Like there's just the blood of Jesus is mercy. It's, it's righteousness and it's life and it's forgiveness. And it's all of these justification for, for all, right? Just such a beautiful it's exactly, thing. It's exactly what, what God does in posturing himself towards Cain, even when falling short, even when conducting the most gruesome and heinous of all crimes. God still, in some weird way that's hard for us to understand, except for when it's happening to us. Because like, right, when we screw up and then God gives us mercy, we're like, oh God, thank you so much. But then when God gives someone else mercy, maybe who even wronged us, we're like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah. But what it does show is that God is in our corner, even when we mess up. Even when we screw up, he's there on our behalf advocating for us, not just in a singular moment, but as a as a posture towards humanity at all times. God is always in your corner, always for you. There's one last thing I'll say, and it's okay. it's, it's really gotten, it's, I'm going to say it a million times probably. One time, Morgan had, had spoken somewhere, my wife, and she felt like she had really messed it up. And then afterwards, she was all down and she was praying. And she just said, God, I'm so sorry. I could have done better. And she says, she heard it clear as day. God just being, Morgan, don't worry. Don't you know I work wonders with the blunders? And that phrase, she goes, oh, that's so corny. But thanks, God. Like that phrase, what we see here is the same thing. Over and over, Mm. God works wonders with the blunders. So obviously in this season of the move, we're going to be moving together through the entire book of Genesis. And there's a lot of ways that you could do this. You could, you could legitimately just do this on your own. You've got the Holy Spirit. You don't need me or Tyler or Jonathan or anyone else on the move. You could just do this on your own. But we like to do this together because it's a, a fun and enjoyable experience. There's also another resource that we wanted to tell you about. Tyler is going to actually introduce because he actually shared it with me yesterday. Something that might aid you if you want to go deeper into scripture. Tyler, what is this thing that you wanted to tell everyone about? Man, I just want to tell people about the Bible project. I would imagine everybody already knows. And if you don't, man, you've got to subscribe to the YouTube channel, but especially they just came out with an app. And when it comes to reading the Bible and the resources that have helped me to read the Bible, just in the scope of like the big picture and how it all connects to Jesus, as far like it's literally unparalleled for me and how it's been a blessing. And this app that they just created, I think it literally just released. Uh, just it, It's an incredible tool to journey through scripture and learn how to read the Bible, like the way it's meant to be read. One thing that I love about what they do is that they bring a visual and audio experience to the Bible. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of value in just reading the text by yourself, going to a quiet place, turning off all of your technology, cell phones, notifications, all those kinds of things. Yes, go do that. We are advocates of the secret place. Absolutely. And while also doing that, there's some value in and really getting concise information presented in an artistic and beautiful format. And the Bible Project does this better than I want to say, let me pause and think if this is true, better than anyone that I know. This is a fantastic resource. If you're not already all in on the Bible Project, you need to go check them out. They're a fantastic tool and resources. They have breakdowns and overviews of, I think now, every book of the Bible, as well as many important themes along the way. So all that to say, now that you finish this episode, go check out the Bible Project. Check out some of the videos that they have been creating and let us know your thoughts, which is your favorite one. Let us know in the comments below. But until then, we'll see you guys in our next episode.